0: I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow of the IBM Center for the Business of Government. U.S. federal agency-based leadership development programs are an essential tool the federal government uses to nurture and develop leaders at every step of a civil servant's career. In an era of rapid and disruptive change, these agency-based programs become even more important because federal leaders must be prepared to effectively and efficiently Administer government products and services on behalf of the American taxpayer? How is the National Science Foundation building a pipeline of current and future leaders? And what is the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program, LDP? We'll explore these questions and so much more with Tracy Boyko and Macy Cox, co leaders of the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program. Macy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having us.
0: Great. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. So, Macy, would you give us an overview of the history and mission of the National Science Foundation, NSF?
1: Absolutely. NSF is an independent federal agency created by Congress in 1950 to promote the progress of science, to advance the national health, prosperity, and welfare, and to secure the national defense. What that really looks like is that we're the only federal agency whose mission includes support for all fields of fundamental science and engineering. NSF is vital because we support basic research and people to create knowledge that transforms the future. And at the foundation, we're the funding source for approximately 24 percent of all federally supported basic research conducted by America's colleges and universities.
0: So, Tracy um, and, and Macy, what office do you both work at? at NSF. And maybe, Tracy, you take this one first. And would you tell us more about your duties and responsibilities?
2: Sure. So we both work in the division of human resource management within the Office of Information Resource Management. I currently serve as the chief advisor for human resources, where I lead major cross-cutting human capital initiatives, including things like HR policy initiatives and workforce renewal efforts for the foundation. And I co-lead the NSF LDP with Macy.
1: And I'm also in HR in the learning and development team, we're called the NSF Academy and I'm I have a I wear a couple of different hats. I'm the team lead for our new employee welcome program, which is our comprehensive onboarding program for all staff. I manage executive development at the foundation, and I've had the great fortune of co-leading the leadership development program with Tracy over the last three years. Three
0: years. Can I ask you about the academy? Sure. What is that?
1: That's uh, a, a branch um, within human resource management that is the sort of training and development arm of human resource. So we lead all learning and development across the foundation for our general workforce, our program officer workforce, our executive development. Um, We run programs like onboarding, like mentoring, like coaching. So all of the learning and development that you can do within the foundation, we lead.
0: Macy, could you describe your career path?
1: I actually have been in HR for over 15 years. I came to Washington, D.C., Um, Trying to figure out what I wanted to do as a grown up and had the opportunity to work for an executive search firm first and then moved to a legal staffing company downtown where I was recruiting legal secretaries, uh, executive assistants for law firms. About 10 and a half years ago, I thought, oh, it'd be awesome to get into the government side of um, the work here since we're surrounded by the government, right? right? Um, So getting a foot in the federal enterprise, I contacted a friend of mine who I knew worked for the Department of Navy and said, like, what can I do to get my foot in the door? I'm looking at the State Department job because it looked like I could apply to it. And she said, no, 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 there's no way you can get your foot in the door there. You have no previous experience. But we're hiring here And at the time, it was the National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda through okay. what's called the Federal Career Intern Program, which was then the Naval Career Intern Program, NSIP, which is a training program for sort of up-and-coming, you know, employees or people that want to get into the federal government. So that program provided me the opportunity to get trained and learn all facets of HR, I started in staffing and classification, then I had experiences in labor and employee relations, and then, of course, learning and development. I left the Department of Navy after seven and a half years, uh, three years ago, to join the National Science Foundation on the learning and development team. And I think that... Growing up in federal HR in a learning and development program like the Federal Career Intern Program really helped me to fully appreciate the value and the significance of programs tailored to growth and development of staff, just like the LDP, which has been a huge part of the reason why I've been so excited and engaged and really happy in my own job for the last three years. Outside of also just loving working with Tracy and being a partner with her, um, being able to lead this effort at the foundation after it not really existing for over 30 years
2: has been really
0: wonderful. So, Tracy, what about your career path?
2: Sure. So, I am an industrial organizational psychologist. So, I look at psychological concepts and principles in the workplace and apply it to, you know, HR areas like selection, training, assessment, compensation, and leadership development, for example. And so I started my career on the research side as a research consultant working on global workforce surveys and research development and analytics. I moved to applied work, um, spending some time in the private sector and state government before moving to D.C. in 2010. And I started my federal career at the Office of Personnel Management. So, yeah, so, so I worked at OPM For a couple of years, I started in staffing and classification, which provided really good foundation for me in my HR career. I then moved on to be a personnel research psychologist on the HR strategy and evaluation team. So that's the reimbursable side of uh, the OPM. And so it was a great opportunity for me to work with a variety of different federal agencies. So I was able to do some consulting work with over 15 different federal agencies in that position on a variety of different human capital initiatives. So that's been a great experience. In 2012, I joined the National Science Foundation, where I worked on the same team as Macy in the Academy for many years, standing up the leadership development program, but also working on supervisory and other leadership development activities. And then, I've been now working as a chief advisor in HR.
0: Macy, I was wondering, what characteristics in your mind make an effective leader, and what leadership principles guide your uh, efforts and how you lead?
2: I think to me,
1: as a leader, you have to be vulnerable and courageous and good, honestly, at all the quote-unquote people stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can no longer just be that technical expert in your field. And we see this a lot in the federal government, of course, because the career trajectory Typically, as your technical expert, technical expert, and then ultimately you grow and, you know, a promotion is to a leadership role where you're not necessarily the technical expert anymore. And it's super valuable and important to—you have to lead the people in order to meet the mission. So I'm really finding a lot of meaning and inspiration in Brene Brown's work right now around authentic leadership. And I think to be an authentic leader, to be—to inspire and be inspired, as she says, and this is a quote— really requires courageous leadership. It requires leaders who are willing to take risks, embrace vulnerabilities, and show up as imperfect, real people. And to me, that's ultimately, you know, the sign of the greatest and most successful leaders I've worked for and seen are the people who are courageous and imperfect. Who take risks, who make mistakes. They get up and they try again and they encourage their staff and create space within their teams to do that same thing. And so I hope to be able to motivate the people I work with, the lead, the people that I lead, the people within the LDP, the Leadership Development Program at NSF, to do that, to take on those risks and to really support them while, while they're doing
0: that. What is the mission of the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program? I'll explore this question and so much more. When our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour.
3: To support government financial performance and accountability, financial systems must meet certain standards and relying on outdated financial systems inhibits progress. ERP vendors are encouraging clients to move to the cloud and consider new technologies such as robotic process automation, blockchain, and AI to enhance financial productivity. Download the IBM Center Report, Financial Management for the Future, at businessofgovernment.org to learn why and how government can evolve to meet the demands of a digital world. The Ebola crisis in West Africa from 2014 to 2016 was an epidemic that put emphasis on global capacity to respond to international disasters. How can government better assess the needs of those affected and help them? The IBM Center Report, Responding to Global Health Crisis by Professor Jennifer Widner, breaks down the U.S. response to the Ebola crisis, and provides insights on lessons learned that may aid the government responses in the future. Download your free copy, Responding to Global Health Crisis, at businessofgovernment.org.
0: Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and my guests today are Tracy Boyko and Macy Cox, co-leaders of the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program. So Tracy, um, would you tell us more about the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program, LDP? When was it created and why was it established?
2: Sure. So the NSF LDP is a two-year program. And we launched launched it in January 2018. And our participants, the first cohort, actually just graduated in January of 2019. So they just completed the program. We had 29 participants who graduated, and it was our first internal program in about 30 years. So this is brand new, something that we just, you know, created and launched for the first time. And for many years, I think NSF had been thinking about launching the LDP, knowing that the value of creating that internal pipeline of leaders, and just having a shared understanding and shared culture and concept of leadership. But takes a lot of work to get these things going. So I think the real impetus, the real driver, at least in pushing us on a timeline, was the move that we had from Arlington to Alexandria. Uh, We moved in the summer of 2017, and we expected a lot of turnover in anticipation of that move. It's not very far, but adding 30 minutes to somebody's already long commute, (laughs) we did anticipate higher than typical turnover. And so I think that really pushed us and the leadership and our um, our conversations around why the, the sense of urgency we needed to get things going.
0: So, Macy um, and, and, and Tracy, but I w- want to get both of your perspectives on who is the program geared to uh, within NSF? Um, how rigorous is it to be accepted by the program? And then maybe you could tell us more about the selection process and how to apply.
1: Absolutely. So the leadership development program that was developed at NSF is comprised of two tracks. And those are aspiring supervisors and aspiring executives. And each of those groups or tracks are made up of a different sort of component of the workforce. So for the LDP for aspiring supervisors, that would be open to permanent NSF employees who are currently in GS 12, 13, or 14, typically non-supervisory or AD2 or AD3 positions, which AD is the administratively determined uh, pay plan, which is for our scientific workforce, for clarity for that, yeah. And then the aspiring executive program or cohort track, it was open to permanent NSF employees who are currently in GS14, typically supervisory, GS15, or AD4 or AD5 positions. So that's kind of the two tracks that we developed and, and the requirements to be within them. The selection process and the curriculum were both built around the OPM's leadership journey model. And the selection phase really targeted the fundamental leadership competencies, such as like interpersonal skills, writ, written and oral communication, continuous learning, and public service motivation. The selection process was a rigorous competitive five-step process. Honestly, when I came into the foundation, uh, we were just at the sort of starting to develop the curriculum and planning out the selection. And I couldn't believe what they'd gone through to get to this stage and also what was going to be required of our applicants. Uh, It's really impressive what the process that they went through. And that included a supervisory approval, so for time and funding, a timed in-person writing assessment, a panel interview and attendance at a three-day leadership and problem-solving course where afterwards they actually had to physically role-play the activity for evaluation and ultimate selection. So if you were committed to that, you were committed to the program, which was, I think, really important for our participants because once they got in, they had really gone through so many hurdles to get into that program that they were very much committed.
2: So the people who meet the eligibility requirements, I think one unique thing is many of these programs the people are selected by their supervisors. They're nominated, right? And in this case, we thought it was important that the employees self-identify. There's already a rigorous selection process. We're already doing our work to make sure that the people have those fundamental leadership skills. So we want people to express their interest. And so anyone, we did, we did a lot of communication because this was a new program, and we wanted anybody to apply to this program who met those eligibility requirements. So they self-identified. If they met the requirements, then they got into this first phase of the selection process, the writing assessment. If they didn't meet the requirements, we have so much learning and development at NSF, and we have a lot of curriculum already focused on leadership skills for non-supervisors and some of those leadership competencies. So we set them up for success in maybe applying to future years by directing them to those things. We had over 100 applicants for our small agency, which was a great, I think, first showing. Absolutely, yeah. And we selected 29 of those within those two tracks. We had 12 aspiring executives and 17 aspiring supervisors. And we selected that number really purposefully looking at our workforce and our needs, um, anticipated needs for leadership positions over the next few years and de- determining how many people to select in those tracks. So also unique, I think, is we, did, we, we looked at who performed the best in those assessments mm-hmm. to select. We did not cap the numbers by a particular organization and just looked to see who, who scored the best and gave them entry into the program. So unique to the selection process also was the commitment to every applicant. So if you participated in at least one of the assessments, then you got an individual feedback report from us and the opportunity, whether you were selected or not, to meet with Macy or I or both of us to talk about how you did, where you can improve, whether you're already selected into the program, maybe that's an opportunity for customizing your individual development plan over the next two years. And figuring out where some of the gaps are, or even just improving your interview skills, for example. And if you weren't, we pointed you to internal resources that are available to you, so that um, the participants could get that feedback and improve their skills, whether or not they were in the program.
0: Maybe this is a good lead into how does the program actually work? What could you tell us more? Tell me more about the curriculum, and what modalities do you folks use?
1: Sure. So again, Tracy said at the beginning, but the programs over two years, at first, when we first developed this, we thought it might be 18 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the way sort of that we advertised it. But we really felt after going through this that they really need the full 24 months to to get through everything that we felt was needed in order to uh, graduate. And it was developed around the OPM's executive core qualifications, which are comprised of those 28 leadership competencies. Honestly, there's no way, of course, to fully develop 28 leadership competencies (laughs) in two years. I don't know that we can do that in a lifetime, right? So we had to make basic assumptions around their baseline knowledge and then target what we identified as the essential competencies. And they were really expected to master those essential leadership competencies Develop key skills through application, build, really build effective support systems and networks, and then sort of understand the bigger picture by broadening their perspectives through internal and external details, which was a requirement. In the first year, to give you a sense of kind of what it looked like, it was really classroom heavy, let's say, and we did that. Strategically, as part of building that cohort amongst them, where they did 17 formal classes, courses over that first year. They completed the OPM 360, the OPM Leadership 360 at the front end, and then they received individual coaching around sort of that and things that they were working through within their leadership development. In the second year, that was the opportunity for them to really focus more in on kind of what they wanted to develop. And then we had a couple of focused activities for them, which include group coaching, so they learned peer coaching skills, engaging with a mentor through our formal mentoring program at NSF, and then completing a leadership detail of at least 90 days. So again, they sort of went out on their own more in the second year to do that individual work, where in the first year it was highly structured in the sense. A fundamental requirement of the program, which we found to be really essential, of course, and everyone talks about, is the detail opportunities, where they're really um, having the opportunity to have exposure to leadership positions in a hands-on way where they can really apply what they've learned. They took on great variety of details, including really powerful and important cross-operational and program boundaries within NSF and also went outside of the agency, allowing them to apply the skills that they've learned in new ways to further meet the missions of their organizations, the organization that they support currently or the one that they went to support, and then even enhance their experiences back at the foundation. We have sort of preliminary data and data around the classroom work that the curriculum was very much a success. But we honestly feel like the opportunities that they created for themselves outside of the classroom, which I think were fostered through the connection that we built within the cohort on the front end. Like developing, they did things like they developed a capstone project, or they expanded their professional networks. That really helped translate their learning into actual real life solutions, experiences, and gave them, what I said before, the ability to be courageous and take risks Mm -hmm. and do new things where they wouldn't have necessarily done that without perhaps even this LDP.
0: Uh, When they do detail, when they become a detailee, how long is that? Is that the 90 days or is it longer?
1: Right. So it's it's a (coughs) minimum of 90, but we, you know, at NSF, we'd say in general, typically details tend to be 120 days. Because of the commitment that they've made to this program and the learning environment, you know, we didn't want to ask too much of their leadership in allowing them to be gone for six months. Although we know at the end of the day, you know, 90 days, you're not going to really get yeah. that much, right? You're not going to really be leading an organization in 90 days, but you're getting kind of a taste of it and getting to apply some of those skills you've learned. We hope that they can, you know, extend those. And we've seen some of the detaillees had taken on details that were six months in length, if they could afford for it to be away for that long.
0: Just another follow-on. You may have, you both may have already addressed this, but I just want to clarify. They're doing this uh, while they're working, right?
1: Right, okay. exactly. So, yeah, so this is uh, you know, like other duties as assigned, yeah. right, as a Fed federal employee. Okay. But, I mean, we found that because of, I think, again, such a rig- rigorous selection process, that, you know by the time you get to the end of that you realize that like you are in or you are out like you want to do this or you sort of you know what this is going to be too much for me and I can't take it on we told them you know this we gave them sort of expectations around what their time commitments would be to sort of hopefully give them a, a temperature check around can I really fit this in and we of course told them in advance like the details part of this experience and that your supervisor will be approving that as well when they went on the detailed deck expectation is, in theory, they leave their work behind. But that's always a hard thing to do.
0: So, Tracy, I had a question for you around what are the top, what's the top challenge that you face with an LDP and how are you addressing those challenges?
2: So, I think one huge challenge, and this isn't unique to NSF, I think any federal LDP, you have this challenge where It's tough sometimes to manage expectations for what someone, people put in so much to this program, what they're expected to get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. So we were very clear up front. There's no guarantee of promotion following the completion of the program. We made that very, very clear to participants uh, and everybody surrounding the program. But still, you go through a rigorous selection process, as Macy explained. You go through two years of formal curriculum, and then on the end of that, especially NSF is a very flat organization your target position may or may not be even open for a competition at that time and so that can be really challenging especially because people have really been engaged and we've we've put so much time and effort into them and now they go back to their their position and they may not be as challenged as they'd like to be even if they don't expect the promotion to be given to them, right? They know that no, nothing is going to be handed to them at the end of this. Mm-hmm. They still need to continue to be engaged and challenged. And mm-hmm. Macy and I make very clear that we provide opportunities to them. but after graduation, we'll continue to check in and, and work with them, but, but that's really on them. We've given them the tools to continue those engagements. So um, some of the things we try to do to kind of deal with this is in addition to just you really have to communicate up front. Mm-hmm. What people are going to get out of this, what the expectations are. Share with people that um, as much as a formal position might be what they're in- interested in, it's also really valuable to build those partnerships and networks, to broaden their perspectives and get a better understanding of the agency or even how the federal government works, and just to see the value in engaging in different ways and leading from wherever you are. Mm-hmm even if it's not in a formal role. So they've started to do this in, in various ways. For example, a lot of, of our participants have found leadership positions on committees and working groups and other ways. So, um, you know, some people are not even necessarily in this for the promotion. They're really in it to build their leadership skills and be a better program officer or whoever, whatever they are. And so just seeing the value in the learning and the relationships is really important.
0: That's interesting. Um, and so, uh, Macy, how does the LDP seek to improve morale and engagement within the participant cohorts and among those who work with them?
1: I think that cohort building, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, through this program was really essential and was sort of one of the immediate things that i we saw as improving morale and engagement. Mm-hmm. um and and getting them to create even connections beyond, say, that cohort. So, you know, with the aspiring executives, they really started to coalesce around. Um, their group vision and and what they wanted to leave the agency or sort of how they wanted to impact the agency beyond, let's just say, the formal leadership role. Um, so they started meeting regularly on their own. Outside of us in, in initiating that, they had group lunches and gatherings. Like I mentioned earlier, they they really came up with this concept of their own capstone project, which was not something that we had built into the program, but that they decided that they really wanted to do. Um, they also have been involved in some big initiatives at NSF including the renewing NSF efforts they've offered assistance with the planning and the launch of the next leadership development program um, and so they've really sort of gone beyond the the confines or the construct that we created to help create other o- opportunities for them to to lead within the foundation in new and unique ways and I think, That seems to have engaged them in different ways. The detail requirement, again, too, was so important to getting them to engage across the agency with other work groups and initiatives. They have bridged those gaps again. So in NSF, we have scientific directorates, and we have um, operational, organizational, sort of running the shop ship sort of directorates or offices, Office of Information Resource Management is what we're in. We have the Division of Administrative Services, IT and HR, and then BFA, which is the Grants Administration Finance. And so oftentimes we don't see a lot of the cross-directorate efforts in this program and the details that people have gone on have really fostered sort of crossing those bridges and breaking down sometimes some of those silos We think that there'll be future opportunities. We expect that they'll really find opportunities to continue to work together and support one another. And that will ultimately improve morale and engagement, not just within the cohort, but theoretically within the foundation.
0: So, um, Tracy, I was wondering, you mentioned earlier, so you go through this process. You're very clear up front that you go through 24 months. You're not guaranteed because maybe the the leadership position isn't going to be open. But besides that, the commitment they're making – they kind of – it's hinted that these are change agents. And I'm wondering, to what extent do they see themselves as they're going through the process as becoming not just somebody who's positioning themselves for a promotion, but somebody who's going to make an effect – is going to affect the foundation, as you just said, Macy, in a positive way? And how are they willing to take more risks and innovate?
2: So I think – I've loved working at NSF in part because of the kind of people we have there and just the dedication to the mission. And so you can imagine, especially with some of the people who have been accepted into this program, uh, they're already really dedicated and and see a strong tie to the mission. And so it's easy in this kind of collaborative environment to make that happen. So we designed the LDP to really foster that innovation and risk-taking. We... I think it's really about creating a safe space, bringing a diverse group of people together and giving them the opportunity, the time to get away from their day-to-day job and think um, at a higher level. Um, So I think just giving them, again, starting with the curriculum, giving them the broadening of perspective and understanding, the appreciation for what each other does and how we fit in with the rest of the federal government was a really good way to start and then more and more, we were able to take a step back and let them work through that themselves with their shared interest in leadership, their, their meetings, their opportunities to collaborate, whether it be through coaching, through some of the informal just um, discussions they've had. They built really deep connections and established partnerships that I really think would not have formed mm-hmm. without the LDP. And I think building that trust over time people are more willing to take risks and to know that they have colleagues who support them. So I really think it's important. um, And and the LDP gave them that platform, that opportunity to uh, come together as a really diverse group of people. They represent nearly every corner of the foundation, almost every director in office. And again, worked across organizational lines that might not naturally have just showed up for them. So I think just creating that those opportunities allow them to take risks and, and come up with new ideas. And they've really been focused, um, even after graduation now, on identifying on their own organizational challenges and opportunities and finding ways to plug in. Can I ask
0: a follow-on on that? So how are they getting back into the program? So this is your first cohort, mm-hmm. yes. right? Um, so the curriculum probably is going to change. And are they going to be... Are any of these folks going to be uh, teaching, coming back, doing anything like that? Has there been any thoughts about that?
2: So I think we're going to look. F- so some of the natural ways that we bring people in typically is through um, serving as mentors. Okay. And through participating, maybe not uh, facilitating whole classes, but coming in to bring that NSF perspective. So we might have a one-day class on um Building partnerships, and as part of that, we'll have an hour or two panel from NSF sharing their experiences on those things. So that's how we would like to bring in the NSF flavor and um, get people in the program as aspiring leaders to connect with people who are current executives and supervisors at the foundation. So I think bringing them into some of those opportunities would be great, and we also lean on, we have. Number of classes where we we bring in research, right? From the uh, foundation, for example, our um, SBE Directorate for our our social scientists have um, partnered with us on some different um, pieces of the curriculum to bring in some of the research to. What we do and some of the curriculum, so we'll continue to w- find those partnerships as well and refine it. And
1: I think getting them to be engaged in um, various parts of the selection process with us, as well as you know, because sitting on a panel, interview panel, thinking about you as a leader overall at NSF, and now you've gone through this leadership development program, and you have sort of you bring a different perspective. And we, as Tracy said, we engaged current leaders and executives and, and and program officers in the development and, and launch of the curriculum last time. Now we have the opportunity, we have a whole new pool of Um, trained and ready and willing participants. So to get them to participate in courses like coaching skills that they've now gone through and they want to see used at the foundation maybe, or strengths, things like that, I think there's like so many different opportunities for them to get involved. I mean, they're your natural
0: champions for Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. They are. It's 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 great. So, Macy, how how do you guys evaluate the impact that the LDP has had on the foundation?
1: We started – With sort of three overarching goals, and we think that's really important to think about when you're developing a program. And those three sort of high-level goals were developing high-potential employees' leadership capabilities so that they can lead wherever they are in the organization, building a leadership pipeline at NSF, and building a leadership culture and network. Those are big goals. So as part of that, we developed a robust multi-year evaluation plan and logic model that outlines at a high level the expected outcomes over a number of years. We're in the process, of course, of completing our first evaluation of the first cohort. So we've done some surveying throughout, and we have a year two survey. So it's hard to make guesses around, like, outcomes, but we think that we've already made – we believe that we've already made significant progress, and one of those is the way that the agency is sort of starting to think about executives – So executives, again, people are starting to talk about the concept of, well, executives should be able to lead from anywhere, not just in their technical area. And through the LDP, we truly have started to live this more. Whereas before, again, you know, you're an executive within your particular division, within your particular science or your particular operational field, and you stay within that. Whereas we saw in the LDP, people crossing those boundaries and leading from their experiences, their inherent um, skill sets, but also leading as a leader of an organization versus a technical expert. So we have really great examples of participants successfully crossing those science and business lines and think that that's a way that NSF is really starting to shift around leadership and thinking about it in a broader context.
0: What goes into sustaining agency-based leadership development programs? I'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour.
3: How does an agency decide upon and implement a performance management framework that will be successful for their specific administration? The IBM Center Report, A Practitioner's Framework for Measuring Results, follows the implementation and results of the CSTAT Management Framework in Colorado's Department of Homeland Security in hopes that it can guide others who may want to institute a similar approach. Download A Practitioner's Framework for Measuring Results by Melissa Wavelet on businessofgovernment.org today.
0: Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and my guests today are Tracy Boyko and Macy Cox, co-leaders of the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program. So, uh, Tracy, how does the LDP participants, how do they um, expand their personal and professional networks within and outside uh, the foundation?
2: So, we've touched on the cohort experience many times. We think this is really important. Mm -hmm. So, certainly, you start with a cohort, 28 other people that you may or may not have worked with before, and that's a good starting point. And from there, they're able to kind of build out and make additional connections. And um, so, that's been helpful internally. We also wanted to make sure, typically at NSF, we have supervisor and executive development courses that are only open to those who are in those positions. And so with the LDP, we made the decision to open up those opportunities to the participants. So by doing that, our participants were able to interact with and engage as peers with those supervisors and executives and build additional connections that way. And, um, of course, through some of the panel opportunities and the mentoring, they expanded their internal networks. I think externally, we were really successful in building those partnerships with other agencies through detail opportunities, and even some organizations that were not necessarily federal agencies, because their detail requirement was only that they complete something at the appropriate level. It was either supervisor or executive level, but did not have to even be a federal position. So we partnered with many different agencies, and this being the first um, cohort, Macy and I did a lot of work to connect with different agencies and build those partnerships for our participants. Though, of course, it was their responsibility to find the detail opportunity. We tried to build as many um, connections as we could. And we ended up having 11 participants in nine different organizations externally with the rest of the participants doing internal details. So they were able to bring a lot to the table for those organizations. And um, I think those organizations were very pleased with the caliber of people that we brought to them and of course our participants came back with different ex- experiences and connections and so it was really i think mutually beneficial
0: now did you folks identify those agencies that were partner agencies or did the k- participant have to do it or was it both of you we
2: it was a combination, was a combination. certainly we, we mm-hmm. wanted to make clear that it was their responsibility right. to find opportunities okay. but we made it easier for them by Uh, reaching out to different agencies and organizations that we thought would have good opportunities and posting on a SharePoint site that we maintained any opportunities that we found available so that they could easily see what was available internally and externally to the foundation and reach out and apply to those opportunities. If you go to
0: the external, I just want to really get a finer point on this. So you go to an external agency and the 90 to To 120 days. They were okay
2: with that? To be honest, most of the external agencies were more. I mean, some of them lasted up to a year. Really? Um, And so...
0: So it was internal, you had to get the okay from your... (laughs)
1: Right, exactly. In order to go externally, I mean, to support them, again, being gone with potentially not having the opportunity to backfill behind that person, depending on the situation. Oftentimes, we do have a culture at NSF where we are very supportive, I think, on a leadership level of detail experiences. Mm -hmm. And so there is a lot of sort of movement within the foundation in that capacity. I think when they were going external, many of the external agencies really did want them for longer to be able to make more substantive, you know, to have the opportunity to have substantive experiences. And also they had demands and needs that they needed to fill. Uh, so they they tended to stay longer in those capacities. Uh, but and, – and many of the agencies um, were connections – they made on their own um, or through own, their own network. And then some were ones that Tracy and I had developed, Tracy, really um, from the front end, uh, even with like the USGS. And I think that they had like a lot of opportunities that they were looking for support on and gave a number of our participants opportunities to to work with them.
0: Can I ask another follow-on? Were, were, were the agencies diverse in terms of their mission set or were they in the sciences?
2: Um <clears throat> So some of the ones we initially started with were um, NASA, NOAA, OSDP, right? But but some of our organization, some of the organizations people went to were um, Department of Justice, Department of Interior, um, U.S. Air Force, University of Virginia, right? So so they really went to a number of different areas. I would say the ones I targeted first in terms of reaching out to Mm -hmm. were the other. science agencies, but people really found themselves in a lot of different uh, and unique opportunities. Fascinating.
0: So, uh, Macy, even before completing, and and we've talked about evaluation, we talked about all that, but before completing the program, can you give us a sense of how the LDP participants uh, make measurable impacts within and outside the agency? And perhaps give us examples.
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to. And, you know, we have some some examples here to share. I don't know Mm -hmm. even there's a greater scope of what they've done beyond this, but this is just sort of a baseline. Like one of our participants from a science directorate was detailed into the deputy office head position for the Office of Information Resource Management. So the deputy to the head of the organization that runs people- IT systems and administrative services, and served as a member of the senior management team that led the agency through uh, the 35-day shutdown last Uh, year. (laughs) So, I mean, there's no greater challenging time to lead than when your agency is shut down and your people are furloughed. And she was recognized with that senior management team, and that team was made up of a number of people by our director as having a significant positive impact on the foundation and and on the seamlessness of that experience for the people. Again, she brought enormous value to that team and made positive impacts in that role. And that was a detail that she had within the LDP, the Leadership Development Program. So, taking the risk on her end and then the leadership within the Office of Information Resource Management also taking that risk to appreciate that, that connection and what she could bring is really a significant impact. So I think that one was a great example. We also had someone who was in our aspiring executive cohort as well, acting as a senior executive within as a deputy division director in our chemistry division. And within that, within that role, she was given the opportunity to serve on the NSF 2026 working group and ultimately was made chair of that working group, which is a big initiative in the foundation. And together with her colleagues, they brought that NSF 2026 idea machine to the finish line. And she told us when we were talking to her that her LDP training and experience was essential in helping her build partnerships across the foundation and also ensuring the success of that project. So I think that speaks to the value of this program in supporting meeting the mission of our organization. We had another aspiring executive that served their detail in the Department of Defense a Science Unit and allowed them to work with leaders there to develop a strategic framework for international research analytics, to run a U.S. government interagency meeting on the topic, and to boost their own technical expertise which was an accomplishment that they brought back to the foundation and helped them start up. So, again, start up an edge research and portfolio analytics working group, which wouldn't have necessarily happened had they not had that experience. And then I think another just really awesome experience that someone had on detail was one of our aspiring supervisors managed a project that placed 28 USGS scientists on a 70-day scientific river expedition and led a team providing education and outreach about this event. So huge, I mean, yeah, huge impacts. They've made significant contributions to the agency already. We think we're really excited sort of to see what the future holds for them. We always tell them that. We we, we miss them, but we love hearing what all the great things they do and that they will do um, in the future.
0: Right. That's the that's great way to segue into my next question, which is, how do you, Tracy, how do you keep in touch with the participants and and how do you monitor their progress? Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. So we try to do a mixture of informal and formal uh, check-ins and opportunities to connect. And many of them now will be informal now that they've graduated. So uh, I think the same day we had our, uh, our graduation and had a happy hour, we scheduled the next happy hour <laughs> um, as a way to just continue to connect because we can't imagine – kind of parting ways completely, right? So we find ways like happy hour or lunches or or informal settings like that where people can get together Mm -hmm. and connect. And um, in addition to that, we have a more formal platform, this online SharePoint site that we use where Macy and I still continue to post articles inspiring quotes, Mm -hmm. um, different, this information, (laughs) information, Mm -hmm. we still share detail opportunities or just any opportunities that anything leadership related that we think people would want to know and um, encourage our participants to do the same, to share information with with each other and use this um, site to, to, as a way to collaborate. We, uh, in terms of monitoring the progress, Macy mentioned the capstone project that our aspiring executives did. They actually did wrote a white paper mm-hmm. to uh, take their own look at the success of the program and um, potential uh, tweaks we can make to the program to make it even better next time. And so that was really helpful input for us. We also, um, as, as Macy mentioned, they do a pre-Post uh, Leadership 360 so we'll look at the, they're just wrapping those up. So we'll look at the group reports for those and see kind of how the competencies have shifted over time and what improvements they've made in different areas. Um, and certainly the robust evaluation that Macy mentioned, you know, once they graduate, they're not done with us. Mm-hmm. We track them over many, many years um, and continue to, to track their progress and see how they're doing and check in with them. And so so we'll continue to do that. Right,
0: so Macy, the center put out a report not too long ago around agency-based leadership (laughs) (laughs) programs. So I want to. And one of the questions they were delving into was some of the factors that foster sustainability these programs. I'd like to get your perspective.
1: Well, it's funny. I, 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 we've talked about this a lot because certainly there's a lot of factors to that. I think Uh, we think it's really critical to have executive buy-in and participation and leadership buy-in and mentorship for us at NSF is such a powerful component of NSF's programs in general, the way that we lead, the way that we mentor our employees, and the way that we support them. And that's such a huge component of the NSF LDP. So we're grateful to have had that wonderful leadership support to provide their expertise and insights to help develop the LDP participants, and that's a way that we've engaged with leadership and continue to get them to support the program. We've also, we, we sort of referenced this earlier, but we've been really thoughtful about ways to integrate our current leaders into both sort of the development of the plan, the LDP plan as a whole, and then the rollout and execution by getting them involved in the selection process, by getting them on the panels, by getting them in the classroom with us as resource advisors, as experts in their fields, as leaders, just participating in learning and development. So, we've, we've gotten them engaged in various ways throughout, and we think that their support of the program and continued buy-in of the overall goal is essential to continuing to foster any sort of sustainable learning programs at, a, at the NSF.
0: So, Tracy, I had a question about the future. Um, what does the future hold for the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program?
2: So I think it's safe to say we'll do this again, but we want to make sure we do our due diligence and um, thoughtfully consider any improvements we want to make. Macy and I have been very happy, and we've already received a lot of positive feedback and input about the success of the program already, um, but we will take the next few months to look at the evaluation and to complete our evaluation and then consider what changes, if any, we think are uh, we want to make. And so from there, we'll look at um, marketing the program again and making sure that anybody at NSF who's interested is given the opportunity to apply again. And again, we'll lean on our great cohort of graduates to help us. And I think just the communications uh, coming from them, the people who've experienced Mm -hmm. the program and, uh, you know, coming to share their experiences with Potential applicants will be very powerful in helping people understand what they'll get out of the program and see, even be able to ask questions about what it's really about.
0: So, Macy, uh, what advice would you give another agency considering launching a leadership development program?
1: I think what I uh, really admire about NSF, and again, I've only been here for three years, so they've been thinking about this program for a lot longer than three years. Tracy's been here for... Seven, eight. eight, and they've been thinking and considering and negotiating and talking about it for a long time. And so, I think the value in that, although it sometimes, you know, you kind of just want to get it off the ground, and you know that the need is there. When you really start thinking about what is your leadership. Or what does your leadership development program look like? What are your specific agency priorities? And, and making sure that you keeping keeping them in mind as you're developing this. It's really easy to just to jump into something that's off the shelf with that sort of off-the-shelf approach, and that's not what we did. Mm-hmm. It's really important to take the time to really think about the goals and the intended outcomes. And, yeah, logic model, we kind of look at that and giggle. But you're thinking about you're thinking about really long term, what are the outcomes that you expect or what should you expect or what is the return on this investment and how can this benefit the agency and what are those specific agency priorities? So there's that, being really thoughtful about that on the front end, and then there's also this value and I, I appreciate how you've you've done this and started this effort and, and are inviting us in to share this. To help us build partnerships with other agencies, I think, is really, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel always, but we do need to sort of customize to our specific agency's needs, but we can collaborate and do this together. So we really have appreciated all of the information and resources that other agencies' leaders shared with us when we were building out our program. We did benchmarking. We did all sorts of interviews. We talked to other similarly situated agencies, and so we really hope We personally hope to continue to build those connections and are happy always to share our resources, lessons learned, things that we identify eventually as best practices so that we can help better, you know, the federal leader. The reality is we're all in this together as public servants. We want to leave the organizations that we work in better than how they were when we arrived. And ultimately the key to that is developing and growing the people in the right way to lead these organizations to success. So we're in that as a group, and we want to help each other meet that mission.
0: You know, it's interesting. When, when I hear this story of what you're doing, the the report that we put out that kind of, kind of chronicles some of these agency-based leadership programs, some of the positives and some of the tough things that they're dealing with in terms of the one-offs, it reminds me of The fledgling enterprise risk management groups that are out Mm -hmm. there, which became communities of practice and very informal networks, and then they wound up becoming a firm. I don't know if you're familiar with the Association for Enterprise Risk Management, which was instrumental in getting OMB to rejig A123 and make it. A requirement. Uh-huh. And I'm almost thinking you could do this with leader because we know we, everybody does these leadership right. qualities and stuff. But it's got to, as you said, Macy, it's got to come from the top. And I mean the top, mm-hmm. not just the agency top. Mm-hmm. And, and I just find it, um, it's got to be unique to your mission set. But it, it sounds like there's so many different um, experiments going on out there. Yeah. It would be wonderful, as you pointed out, both of you, how you can get together. With these groups and, you know, learn from each other but share. I have a question around what surprised you most since taking this concept and making it real. What has surprised you throughout the process? Macy, why don't you go first? I
1: think for me, seeing how valuable that – and I was just going to say that cohort piece was to them and how – truly almost, and I hate using the word siloed, but in a sense, how much we don't have the opportunity sometimes to connect with each other um, around our work or around our shared missions and how creating an environment where really that's what they were focusing on to some degree, right? Shared mission of leadership, uh, where that where we were able to create a space for them to do that and how valuable that's been for them. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like what we're missing as program managers sort of having – we we went to a, an interagency best practice event uh, for leadership development programs last year. And it was like the first time we'd ever gotten out to be able to talk to people. And unfortunately, we were sharing ours as a best practice, so we really didn't get to hear much about other people's programs or how we could partner in ways. Um, but it's like that cohort and connection, I think, is key.
0: What surprised you most treat?
1: I'll
2: build on that because that's what came to mind for me as well. And so another part of that, I was pleasantly surprised with as much thought as we put into the formal curriculum, the formal program and what we were trying to give to the participants, how much they leaned into the program and made it even better. So mm-hmm. this was just a, a positive surprise um, that it was so nice to see. We had high hopes for the program and what it would do for our participants. But to see kind of how they're giving back to the agency and to see kind of what they're doing for one another and how they're going above and beyond our rigorous uh, program mm-hmm. has been really um I've been really happy to see that, and hope that continues. Well, it goes to
0: those who selected them. (laughs) (laughs) Which (laughs) was a
2: huge group of folks, (laughs) so we we are appreciative of all the people that participate in that. Well, how
0: can someone who is interested in what you're talking about find out more about your program?
2: So we have a a real easy alias that people can use. It's LDP at NSF.gov. And Macy and I monitor that inbox where we just uh, published internally an article for our participants uh, about our graduation, and we've received a lot of internal interest, but really be interested externally uh, to hear from anybody who wants to know more about our program or interested in partnering with us, for example, with detail opportunities and other things. So um, LDP at NSF.gov is the best way to get a hold of us.
0: Great. Well, thank you both for coming in today, but I want to thank you, uh, Macy and Tracy, for your dedicated service to the country.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Tracy Boyko and Macy Cox, co-leaders of the National Science Foundation's Leadership Development Program. Be sure to join us next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government and its effectiveness. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org.
3: How can government best use big data to transform decision-making, public services delivery, and communication? The IBM Center Report Integrating Big Data and Thick Data to Transform Public Services Delivery by Yan Ang, presents five recommendations for public managers introducing the concept of mixed analytics, urging thick data, meaning qualitative information about users, to be presented alongside big data to improve government decision making. Visit businessofgovernment.org to read more.
0: How are US government agencies developing the next generation of leaders? What are agency-based leadership development programs? How best can we deliver effective leadership development? Join host Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Professor Jim Perry and Bill Valdez on a special edition of The Business of Government Hour: Leadership Insights. That's next on The Business.
2: That's next on The Business of Government Hour.